Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California, now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. A week of wild weather, those cold winds coming off the mountains to remind you so clearly winter is not yet over. The Joshua trees are beginning to show their strange cream-colored blooms the size and shape of artichokes. The emotional call of a gamble's quail is beginning to be heard in the washes and beneath the junipers and black brush. The weeds are already springing up around the human habitations. So maybe we will get a good crop of wildflowers in the Mojave High Desert. But the nights remain chilly and a blast of midweek cold air arrived to admonish those of us who'd already taken the cover off the swamp cooler. You could remove every sign of human habitation from Morongo Valley to 29 Palms and it would be a great improvement. But for a true high desert heart, nothing compares to this wild landscape. The blobs of granite boulders pushing out of the earth's crust, the tall Mojave yuccas with their perfect little curls along their long dagger-like leaves. The California junipers, male and female sometimes near enough to touch. The latter covered in blue-white berries that nourish bird and beast. A human, too, in the form of our beloved spirit called Jin. From Genieva, French for Juniper. The high desert is a riot of green over sandy soils and chocolate-colored mountains. The Mormon tea bushes, the Joshua trees' spiky leaves, mighty pinions on the hillsides. And these are the evergreens. By this time of year, the color is so rich. The plants scoured clean of dust by our occasional winter rains. I stop sometimes, mid-walk, mid-step, and gaze and wonder at it all. One hand on the walking stick, another idle and itching to do the devil's bidding. It reaches for the phone, the camera. 
but I generally beat the urge. Another picture? For what? For whom? I'm here right now. Always as it is. Fifteen years now, give or take a year's exile, I've called this particular place home. I first laid eyes upon this part of the world four decades ago, when I first fell in love with it. I've lived in other deserts over the years, the Sonoran in Arizona, the Great Basin of the Eastern Sierra, and Northern Nevada. The Colorado Desert of Anza Borrego, creeping up to a mountain cabin that sheltered me so long ago. But this Mojave, this Mojave High Desert has been home for the longest time. And when the last Airbnb is swept away by the cleansing sands and the last vintage shop is dust beneath a jackrabbit's long and powerful feet, Mojave Desert will remain mostly as it stands.
a thousand years, our paltry and ugly marks upon this land will be quaint reminders of a people who faded out. Like so many before us. Love is patient, as St. Paul wrote. Circumstance took me to civilization for a while earlier this month. And while I did not look forward to the task, I had figured I would enjoy what the metropolis had to offer. Because during the long, dull pandemic years, it has been a little too easy to imagine a life that's a little more geared to human society. The simple things, dining out with friends, wandering libraries and museums, sublimity of a neighborhood bar in the afternoon with a good book. Going to the symphony, dropping into a dirty little club, midnight tacos from a truck outside. While those things continue in their current lesser forms and retain some of their charms, the world has changed for good or ill. It's been happening for a while now, I guess the past 20 years when you think about it, when you look back. The city, more than ever, is an anxious and joyless and vapid place. The utter inhumanity of the massive shanty towns of people denied the very basics of life. The faceless masked pedestrians ducking nervously from errand to errand. 
the empty taverns and restaurants. The unfriendly galleries and libraries. The closed gardens and hideously overpeopled outdoor trails. The ugly chain stores that are most of what survived the retail plague. Charmless little flipper shacks, gussied up in cheap vinyl flooring and already flaking paint. The vile billboards for nothing really but television shows. A reminder of what people really do in the modern city. They hide like nervous little rats. They stream those TV shows and order delivery groceries and fast food. And that's about all they do. Yet the traffic is right back to awful. The drivers seething with anxiety and rage. The dog walkers herding a half dozen panting canines in various stages of depression and misery. There is an overwhelming feel of decay. The hideous disposable architecture of the 1970s and 1980s collapsing before our eyes. The bone-rattling potholes and the navigation maps leading you through ever more remote residential streets set up like guerrilla war barricades of speed bumps, traffic circles, and threatening signs. The lively old neighborhoods of working-class Latino and black people transformed into bidding war zones of blank-faced yuppies working remotely for technology companies with gibberish names and impossible-described products that don't actually exist. Gangs of sheriff's deputies with their initiation murders and prostitution rings. The big city mayor, who mentally departed long ago, ready to be rewarded for his corporate political hackery with an ambassador's mansion in a totalitarian country. Of course it was ever thus, going back to Mesopotamia, to Imperial Rome, to Dickens, London. But there is something especially sinister today, because the blood has been drained from the body and the patient has not been informed.
When there is no organic culture, no space for the divine, no commons. Well, then they just prescribe another white paper bag of prescriptions and tell you to work out your trauma. It's your problem, they tell you. And you better pay that bill quick. There are moments, of course. Moments that make you feel a little bit alive. The late night street racing. The illegal dance parties. The friendly gambling rackets. Housed in the remaining few mom and pop businesses. The few brave kids skateboarding down the abandoned city streets after 9 p.m. or so with police choppers in hot pursuit. What's left of the underground, I guess. But there's a lot less of all of it. The cutting up of society's heart has been successful. As far as Amazon and Google and the institutional real estate investors and the online education apps see it. They have successfully rendered the patient helpless and impotent and barely able to complain about it. Even complaining... Even rage has been commodified as something to cure by subscription. Weekly therapy, gym memberships, yoga classes. The human flower will blossom again, but first it must germinate in the psychic muck for a while. Which is fine. I chose sides a long time ago and have no regrets. But let me tell you what I hear from people. Let me tell you why they come. Shattered and battered to places like the one I call home. If only for a weekend respite, if only for a breakdown that can't be healed with meditation apps and anxiety pills. They long for peace of mind, for freedom from the numbing notifications, for real quiet, for starry skies. They long for community, the kind that comes from knowing a dozen people well rather than a hundred people not at all. They long for purpose. Well, that last one's tough. But the rest is available somewhere. Don't come here, for God's sake. This place is already done. 
This will be the weekend retreat for semi-wealthy people for many years to come, as long as the cities of the West Coast still have viable populations. The good news is that the population is in free fall. The people of childbearing age, not just in America, but around the world, have quit having babies. Which are, you may have forgotten, smaller versions of adults. The U.S. birth rate declined by 20% over the last 15 years, and the decline is accelerating 4% in the past year alone. There are signs everywhere if you know where to look. And the world of 2032 will be far different than the world of today. And far more different than the world of today from 2012. It may be time if you can muster the energy to seek out your place and settle down with purpose. The brilliance of the moon of fire. The brilliance that flames from the sun. To illuminate the entire world. This brilliance is truth, is mine. just as the wind carries fragrances from the places where it has traveled. Reciting over the senses of hearing and sight of touch, taste, smell, and also of mind. He savors the senses objects. I dwell deep in the hearts of all beings. I am the source of memory and knowledge. The author of all scriptures. Their wisdom, their God. Threefold entrance to hell. 
Desert Oracle Radio, and I'm your host, Ken Lane. The music pieces you heard tonight are by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. With our old friend S.W. Lawden on drums for that last part. Which was recorded at Muse Lighthouse while I was out there last week. I will soon have some news about the first Desert Oracle event of the year. But it's going to be a good one. Especially if you're within reach of the Holy Land. Slick Rock Country. The land of the Green River and Canyonlands and Arches. Speaking of, you can hear this radio program on Saturday nights at 9 Mountain Time in Moab and the whole Castle Valley on KZMU-FM 90.1 and 106.7 on your FM dial. And of course, we are on the air Friday nights in the Mojave High Desert from Amboy to Zizek's Pioneer Town to Wonder Valley on KCDZ 107.7 FM in Joshua Tree. And I'm obligated to mention that our Desert Oracle Volume 1 paperback is out now at bookstores everywhere especially in the American Southwest. Thanks to our supporters on Patreon.com for keeping us on the air. Only four more issues of Desert Oracle Magazine will be published, coming out this year and early next. And then we're switching things around. Don't ask me for details because I haven't made them up yet. One life at a time, please. As our old friend Edward Abbey used to say. Thank you for listening. A happy desert springtime to y'all. And good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> 